You're listening to The Best Possible Taste with Sharon Noonan. Sponsored by thetaste.ie. Voted Ireland's best online food and drink magazine. Good evening and you're very welcome to this week's Best Possible Taste. I'm Sharon Noonan and coming up on tonight's programme, we'll be congratulating Chef Danny Martinez-Doyle from Dan Cronin's Bar and Bistro in my hometown of Newcastle West in County Limerick on scooping the All-Ireland Chowder Championship. Then we'll be delving into the archives to hear an interview from November 2015 with Chef Claire Smith. Claire recently won the controversial Best Female Chef in the World title. And another interview from the archives this evening is with Chef Stephen Toman in Ox Belfast. Ox celebrated its fifth birthday last month and my interview with Stephen was recorded four years ago at the Fantastic Restaurant when it was celebrating its first anniversary. If at any point you'd like to get in touch with the show, you can drop me an email to s.nunan at live.ie or tweet me at Queen of Org as in Queen of Organisation. So to start the show off tonight, let's go to Dan Cronin's Bar and Bistro in Newcastle West, County Limerick, home to the best chowder in Ireland, thanks to chef Danny Martinez-Doyle. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Danny, congratulations. Thank you very much. You make the best chowder in Ireland. How does that feel? Ah, I'm feeling great for it. Yeah, yeah. Good. Uh, so it was very good and uh, very excited about it. Yeah. Tell me a bit about you and your culinary background. You're half Spanish, half Irish. Yes, indeed. Chowder wouldn't be a Spanish dish, would it? No, not really, no. But like I was, I'm in the culinary business for the last 10 years and uh, I studied J.P. Clark's as a commis chef and it was a lot of fish involved so there where I met first time the, the chowder so JP Clark's is in Bunrati Bunrati yeah JP Clark's and, and and Gallagher's and inside, it's, yeah. it's a seafood restaurant. bar restaurant yeah, yeah, yeah bistro yeah so you had a good grinding there whenever it came to working with seafood yes yes exactly you came to Ireland 14 years ago? Yes, yes. Whenever you came, you were in school and then you, you, you graduated Yeah, I studied in LIT in 2008, finished on 2000, the end of 2009, and then in 2011 I went to GMIT to finish my three years for my degree. And at home, whenever your parents were cooking, is that where you got your love of cooking from? My Irish uncles... I remember in 1995, I, first time I came to Ireland, I went for summertime to work in Lisdunvarna, and my two Irish uncles, they were the head chefs in the Imperial Hotel and the Hydro Hotel. So, yeah, my Irish uncles, they're chefs, and from my Spanish side, my grandmother and my father, they are great cookers, so, yeah, that's where it's come from, maybe. And when you cook, do you like to fuse the two different cultures? Oh, yeah, of course, yeah. I don't know, just think what to do. Like the chowder is something really traditional. It can be a little bit boring, so I just put something different, you know. You have put a Spanish twist on it. Yes, I did, yeah. Like with the cannellini beans, with the Iberico chorizo, so yeah, yeah, and it works. And the chorizo, tell me about the chorizo crumb. Crumb, yeah, like uh, I was trying a few different chorizos just to do the crumbs and didn't work, was getting too dry because you need to dry it to do the crumbs and was too dry and the flavor was can disappear so I went to Donner store one time for shopping I saw this Iberico chorizo I got a few of them and I tried and yeah finally I got the, the flavor I was looking for from the crumbs you know to get uh, dissolved on the chowder so you get this uh, heat of paprika in the chowder 
It sounds very different and unusual. What was the feedback from the, the people in Conceal when they were tasting it? Well, once I start to see people to coming back for more, then I saw the people really like it, you know. And when they were leaving, they were coming to me and say, well done, the, this chowder is very nice. So, and they really enjoyed as well the, the bread. In terms of the basic ingredients for it, how do you, how do you make it? What do you use in it? I will use the classic white wine sauce, maybe a little bit of mise en place with carrots, uh, leeks and celery. And then I add maybe the beans, salt, pepper and chorizo. And the fish, you know, it's the main ingredient, the fish, you know, the smoking fish and salmon and heck. So make the right, the right ingredients together and it works, you know. The next stage now in this competition is in September 2019, you'll be travelling to the US to yes, represent yeah, Ireland. Yes. How exciting is that? Yeah, it's very excited. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell me about your prize. What did you win down in Conceal? To go to America to represent Ireland. Uh, everything, all the expenses are included, so I don't need to worry about when we go there. All the ingredients are being paid, everything is going to be made, so we just go in and enjoy the, the time in there. And you also have a trophy? I have the trophy as well, yeah, yeah, at home, yeah. This is a great opportunity to raise the profile of the quality of food here in Newcastle West. Yes, yes, have and you, good for Limerick as well. Absolutely, and have you found that there have been a few people in the past couple of days, especially because you won the, the competition? When I won the regional in, in Limerick, in LIT, we saw, like, the teachers, they told me, you need to put the chowder on the menu or start to do as a specials. Yeah, yeah, and I saw, and I, in the last four weeks, because all this is just happened in the last five weeks, I just decided to go for the competition and happened. So, yeah, I put as a special the chowder and I started to get good feedbacks. That was my training as well for go to Kinsel to just make it improve the chowder and, yeah, and I won it. Thanks so much for telling me all about it today and congratulations. Thank you very much. Best Cheers. of luck in the US. Now you've, you've 18 months or so to plan for that, so no doubt we'll be talking to you before then. Thank you very much. Cheers. Nice to meet you. You're listening to The Best Possible Taste with Sharon Noonan. Sponsored by thetaste.ie. Voted Ireland's best online food and drink magazine. You're very welcome back to The Best Possible Taste. I'm Sharon Noonan and just before the break I was talking to Chef Danny Martinez-Doyle in Dan Cronin's Bar and Bistro in Newcastle West and Danny is responsible for the best chowder in Ireland and will represent Ireland at the World Chowder Championships in the US in autumn 2019. If you're just tuning in you can catch up on Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM when it's repeated on Wednesday mornings at 8am and the podcast are available to listen to on SharonNoonan.com as well as iTunes and the podcast app and it's also on the taste.ie website voted Ireland's best online digital food and drink magazine. Still to come tonight, we are going into the archives to talk to Chef Stephen Toman from the Michelin Star Ox in Belfast. But before that, I have a different archive interview for you. Chef Claire Smith has been named Best Female Chef, a prestigious accolade distributed by the international awards body World's 50 Best Restaurants, and it is somewhat controversial. The London-based chef is the first and only woman in Britain to run a restaurant with three Michelin stars in the UK, and she opened her 
Notting Hill restaurant Core by Claire Smith last summer and it has since been lauded by industry experts for its artisanal flair and sustainable ethos. Originally from County Antrim, I spoke to Claire a few years ago just before her departure from working for Gordon Ramsay. She was about to embark on her next project. Let's have a listen. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Claire, you're very welcome to the programme this evening. Oh, thank you for having me. And I want to start by asking you to tell us a bit about your journey to being the chef patron at restaurant Gordon Ramsay. Start, and let's start with your roots in Bushmills, County Antrim. Well, yeah, I mean, that's going back some time now. Um, but yeah, I, I, uh, I grew up on a farm um, and kind of started cooking in, in my school holidays and weekends and kind of fell into it and really got a love for it. Um, people were telling me that I was going to become a chef before I knew it. Um, but then I just started reading books and, and met some chefs who had worked in Michelin-starred restaurants. And then that really kind of inspired me um, to go on and, and really do it at the top level. I think some people decide, yeah, they want to be a chef or they want to do something in the culinary world, but they maybe don't have a plan as such as to where they they want to go. Were you always very ambitious whenever you decided that this was the, the path that, that you wanted to go down? Yeah, um, I was incredibly ambitious and, and single-minded um, and driven, I think, from a young age. I think that half of that was my youth, the fact that I was so young and 16 years old, uh, coming from a small town. I didn't know very much about the world or, or the dangers of the world. Um, and that that kind of maybe, I say, stupidity, <laughs> arrogance of a young person just uh, have helped me, actually, I think, because it, I was blind to it. And at the age of 16, left home to become a chef. And you went over to England to culinary to do culinary arts over in England? Yes, I did, yeah. Um, I had been reading uh, so much about sort of English or been at chefs at that time and actually the restaurant I was working in at, when I was in Northern Ireland was uh, we used to hire chefs from England um, because it was quite difficult to get chefs of a really high standard in Northern Ireland in those days there wasn't a huge food scene so I had my mindset on, on moving to England and, and doing my, my school there. Where was it that you worked in Northern Ireland? Was it the Bushmills Inn or where was it? No, I worked in a, a place called um, Hillcrest Country House. It's changed now. It was just down from the Giants Causeway. I also worked in uh, the Bayview Hotel in Port Ballantrae and, uh, and a place called Sweeney's Wine Bar. So I was working pretty much since the age of 12 on my school holidays, just helping out, washing up, waiting tables, making sandwiches. And I kind of just really enjoyed the atmosphere and the, and the team spirit in the kitchen. I remember Sweeney's well now from those nice hot summers we used to have. Didn't they have a lovely beer garden there overlooking the water? Yeah, yeah. it was a beautiful place. Yeah, it's lo- lovely. I'm sure it's still, I think it's still there, but, but I'm not sure. Do you get home much yourself? Um, I get home normally uh, once or twice a year. I'll be home for Christmas this year. Is that yeah, the first just... time in a long time you've been home for Christmas? 
It is. Normally we do a, a three-year rotation, uh, like my husband's parents, my parents, and then uh, and then we've got one year to ourselves. So this is the, the turn to, to be back home in, in Northern Ireland. Well, you, you talk there a lot. You make it sound like you're quite an old person, but you're not. You're not even 40, so you're still relatively young. So I would imagine, are there still lots of things that you want to do or do you feel having achieved something like um, you're the, the first female British chef to hold and retain three Michelin stars, which is a huge accomplishment. Like, what else is there that you would like to accomplish? Um, I think that I I kind of, I, I, I don't think that I've achieved at all everything that I ever set out to achieve. I, I think, and then recently I was we were awarded our, our fifth rosette and we have a rosette, AA rosette standard and I've achieved the maximum now and, and all of the official UK guides and we're the only restaurant at the moment to do that. And I kind of look at it and I think, yeah, that's cool. That <laughs> nice box ticks. But I feel that, you know, you can ever rest upon your success. You have to keep building upon it. And it, it to me, the next thing is, is really to to use that platform and, and do more from it. I've got loads of things to do in my career, such as, you know, I haven't written a book yet. Next year, I'm planning on opening my own restaurant and really building um, really something solid for myself. You have got a lot of worldwide experience, like you've worked in Australia, you worked with Alan Ducasse in Monaco, you've been in Versailles, California, New York. How important is it to a chef's craft to actually get experience in, di- in different parts of the world? Well, I think it's hugely important um, to learn as much as you can, to learn from other great chefs and I think that certainly as a youngster, you, you need to train under the masters to become the best, to understand their philosophy, respect for food and, and their humbleness, humbleness also. Um, team is everything and food evolves so fast. And, and I think that um, the world of, of food chefs have a different role today than 10, 15 years ago. The fact that you know chefs have a real platform and a voice now about more than just cooking food in restaurants. Um, about the environment, sustainability, and about social things, economical um, things, about working in your community. And I think that's a great thing because we're, we're so much more involved in, in day-to-day life that we're not just stuck in our own kitchens. And many of the subjects that you've actually mentioned there were discussed at Food in the Age in Galway recently. And you were one of the many chefs that were there and you talked about fair trade in the food trade. What was the message that you wanted to communicate to the audience? Um, I think that sometimes we we are, uh, have blinkers on to what really happened in, in the world of food. And I think that the average person on the street doesn't know where their food really comes from or how it's produced. And I think that's quite dangerous. And, and time and time again, we... we you know, come up against these scandals, whether it might be water meat in the food or milk, you know, prices of milk being less than the production price, all these things that the consumer is not aware of. And, and I think that's really important that people know where their food comes from. There's so many issues with, with health and also supporting our, our farmers um, in our own country. We've got such strict farming guidelines. And, and to me, that you know, it's, it's a good thing in a way because we know we're protected with what we're eating but we just import things that we have no idea what they are or where they're from um, undercut our own farmers and the whole thing seems ludicrous to me um, you go into a shop and, and you can see buy a chicken sandwich and, and the chicken comes from Thailand I mean it just doesn't make sense 
And this is sort of um, getting this message out. Because I think people also, I mean, how many percent of the population actually eat in fine dining restaurants? Very few. So I think the average person is a, is a much bigger message about food and what the future of food is. Do you think that that is something that young chefs today are more aware of than they might have been maybe 20 years ago? Yeah, sure. I think definitely. And we we're very need to be very connected to our farmers. People shouldn't be shopping or dining in restaurants on, on the price point alone, you know, what value actually is. And also knowing how to, for example, if you buy a chicken, how to, to use that chicken, how to cook it. You know, I think years ago, what we did know was we, had, we were taught how to cook in schools and we were able to um, be more thrifty uh, with what, what we bought. But these days, that's been lost. But I think chefs are kind of reintroducing that back into society again by, by saying, you know, hey, buy the better product, you know, use it, you know how to cook it. And that's us putting something back again. Food on the Edge was a fantastic platform for young chefs to hear older, more experienced chefs talk about subjects that are very important. And you mentioned there about learning from the best. And you yourself, you were a mentor for Dublin's Mark Moriarty, who won Best Young Chef in the World earlier this year. What advice did you give to him whenever you were working with him? Well, Mark was uh, is an extremely talented and very confident young man. So actually, I didn't need to do too much with him. Uh, all I could do was advise him on how to prepare for the competition. And he kind of took it all in his stride and had a great attitude um, about the competition where he was there to have a good time. He was cooking something that he really liked and he believed in and, and everyone else believed in it. But I was kind of there just as that person to say, you know, about how to be prepared uh, when you turn up to situations to know what you're going to face. I've travelled and done demonstrations and dinners all over the world so you never know what you're going to turn up to when you turn up to an event but actually the whole competition was phenomenally well organised. But per Mark's ingredients didn't arrive when they were supposed to arrive. <laughs> actually Mark did a, he did a really good job because he uh, again really calm really controlled he got he got it he got it we the whole thing was set up where he had to prepare it the day before and his first dish was a little bit salty and he had to prepare, have it ready for 300 people, which was crazy. And it was a little bit salty because it had been there over a day in, in marinating. Um, and when we found out the day, I said to Mark, you know, if you're going to win the competition, you've got to do the whole thing again. And he just looked at me and he was said, OK. And he just went and he did the whole thing again. Um, and that was just brilliant. And he just walked away with it. It was kind of... Uh, it was quite impressive. So he prepared the 300 dishes from scratch again? Yeah. Fair play and to him. You know, you've got one opportunity to win this. <laughs> and I said, and, you know, you're going to do it. You have to make sure it's perfect. And he did. And it was, uh, and they just, and very calmly just looked at me and said, yeah, absolutely. I said, have you got the ingredients to do it? And he said, yeah, I can do it. And he just went off and did it. Well, of course, calmness is not something that we would associate with Gordon Ramsay. And Gordon Ramsay approached you and offered you a job, I think it was back in 2002, so you were you were very young then. Uh, and we have a, an impression of him from TV and everything that he is highly strong. Were, were you a bit nervous yourself about working with him or working for him? I think, you know, a lot of chefs are the same, actually. I think, you know, his television persona is 
is for TV. You know, he's not really like that um, all the time. I think everyone has their moments, me included. But um, I was terrified of him when I when I started cooking, obviously, because to me, you know, he was someone I looked up to hugely and I didn't know an awful lot. I just hoped that I was doing it right. But over the years, Gordon has been incredibly generous with me, has given me so many opportunities. And, you know, he's a really, really fun guy to work with. I really enjoy working with him. Um, he's still someone who's got a very young attitude towards life. He really sort of is, um, he likes having a lot of fun. He's incredibly, actually incredibly easy to work for, believe it or not, because as long as you do the job right and you're good at it, he leaves it alone. He's actually quite easy to please. I'm sure some people now would question that, but it's great <laughs> to hear that from somebody that has worked with him like, in, a, in a proper environment or a real environment as opposed to on a TV show, which of course would obviously make a difference to how somebody comes across between editing and whatnot. Yeah, I mean, you know, Gordon is, uh, he's very straightforward, you know, exactly where you stand. And I've worked with him for so many years that I know exactly what he wants, but he's not asking for anything um, ridiculous. He's just asking for good food. Um, And as long as you can deliver that, then he's the easiest person to get along with. But you are leaving or you have left. You are going to open your own place. um, I'm actually... Still with the Gordon Ramsay group, I'm through till probably in the middle of next year. Um, and, uh, yeah, still working with them. And obviously Gordon's helping me considerably with um, opening my own solo venture. So um, I'm leaving, but I don't think I'm going far. <laughs> well, this must be something that has been on your, your to-do list, that you wanted to have your own place, maybe with your own name over the door, although I believe you haven't decided exactly what it's going to be called. It's all top secret in terms of the, the detail. Yeah, I think there's, um, you know, we've still got a long way to go with that, um, with the restaurants, but we've got, uh, I think it's a natural progression really for for anyone is to, to actually have a, a solo restaurant that I actually own myself and, and start something up and really just to challenge myself as well I, I feel that you know with all the years working with Gordon at restaurant Gordon Ramsay it's been a phenomenal restaurant and it's been a great part of my life and but I've done so much there I have you know, achieved so much I feel that it's like really time to challenge myself and, and do something again something new. Well, we look forward to getting all the details about that whenever they they become available. Congratulations on your success today at Clare. It's just been fantastic talking to you this evening. And thank you. thank you so much for your time. And as I say, the very best of luck with your new venture. Well, thank you for having me. You're listening to The Best Possible Taste with Sharon Noonan. Sponsored by thetaste.ie. Voted Ireland's best online food and drink magazine. Welcome back to The Best Possible Taste. I'm Sharon Noonan. And just before the break, we were in the archives hearing an interview I did from a few years ago with Chef Claire Smith, who is originally from County Antrim and was recently announced as the best female chef in the world. And earlier in the programme, I was talking to Chef Danny Martinez-Doyle about his award-winning chowder, which will represent Ireland at the World Chowder Championships. If you're just tuning in, you can catch up on Best Possible Taste on 
West Limerick 102 FM when it's repeated on Wednesday mornings at 8 o'clock. And the podcasts are available to listen to on SharonNoonan.com as well as iTunes and the podcast app. And it's also on the Taste.ie website. Voted Ireland's best online digital food and drink magazine. Now, time to turn to our final interview and it is back to the archives. Michelin star restaurant Ox in Belfast recently celebrated being open five years with a special evening with acclaimed chef Alan Passard in the kitchen. Well, I met Stephen Toman, who owns Ox with Alan Curlock four years ago when the restaurant was celebrating its first birthday. So let's go back in time again. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. So Stephen, you're opened just over a year now. You're taking the restaurant world by storm, I'd say. You're just racking up those awards daily. How does that make you feel? Oh, it's great. It's, it's great to be recognised for all the hard work you put in. But um, we're, we're all, as a team, we're very excited every day. You know, it's new produce coming in, and new ingredients and new dishes going on. And it's always changing. So, yeah, we're all super excited. Well, let's talk about ingredients because on your website you have a page. It's called the Ox Larger. Yes. Explain that to us. I just wanted to give people who you know were thinking about coming and checking out the restaurant just to see you know what kind of things we're we're building our dishes on that month. You know what's at its best and kind of how we go about creating the menu and the in, the dishes that goes on that day is just based on what we have to work with. And it also says on the website, dining with seasonal creativity. Yeah. Well, again, we let Mother Nature dictate the, the menu, you know. I, it's all printed in-house, so if, say, one day we're using courgette flowers and they're not the best quality, I can quickly change to peas or asparagus and, you know, with their own experience, we know what works and what doesn't work, so we'll be creative on the spot, but it's kind of, we're made to be creative, it's kind of creates better food, if you ask me. That approach to using seasonal vegetable, does that stem from your time in Larpege in France? Yeah, not just there. It was a huge factor in it, but also just any restaurant that worked in was kind of based on seasonal food. You know, a good restaurant does pay attention to what's on their own doorstep and what's at its best. Less less Hermes on the, the food and just even supporting the local farmers and growers around you. So it's all a big circle we're just trying to create. Now, Larpege, I'll just explain to the, the listeners, is a three-star Michelin uh-huh. restaurant in Paris. Yep. And it's Alan Passard that yep. is the yep. head honcho there. And you actually had him over in Ox earlier on this year. Yes, Monsieur Passard, he came over to do a charity night and uh, he had for a Little Heart Foundation. Um, it was a surprise menu, so we've done three courses of his classics and three dishes from Ox. And we mix it up a bit, and the customers absolutely loved it. It's, it's an open kitchen, so the customers were able to see the master at work, and they got to meet him and have a glass of wine with him. It was fantastic. And who was the boss in the kitchen that night? Um, uh, he's always the boss. <laughs> that was a huge honour for you that he came over to do that. Oh, it's a huge privilege. You know, it's once in a lifetime. It's the biggest thing I'll ever achieve is having the chef come into my kitchen and kind of help us out and us create his food for him. It was fantastic. Because you must have a very good relationship with him that he would agree to do that. We do and I know a lot of the guys work for him still and um, Alan as well, my partner in the restaurant, he has a fantastic relationship with Larpez and Alain Passard. He, he was his right hand man for many years too. So yeah, we're, we're all kind of friends with the restaurant and they're, they're friends with us. So. Which is it's great. Yeah, it's great. It's great to have links over in Paris still. Yeah. 
And other experience then, you were working in Belfast for a few years before you... Yeah, I worked in Belfast and travelled for two years around America and Paris. Um, I lived in Arizona, Scottsdale. Again, my emphasis on produce was kick-started there also because the, the produce we were using was absolutely out of this world. We were using stuff now that... We were using stuff then that I've only seen come to surface now, the microvids and microherbs. We were using 10, 12 years ago and it was cutting edge then, you know, it was so ahead of its time. And when did the idea for Ox come about? Ox has been on the cards for a long time, you know, I always knew I wanted to open my own restaurant, it was always the plan. And I started to look for sites and stuff and would we discovered this site and myself and Alan are good friends, we'll work together in Paris, that's where we met and we always had a, our same ethos on food and what we believed in and trying to create a relaxed environment so this site came up and it was originally a tile shop before we got it so we had to do a full refurb and change the whole, whole layout of the building but it was good because we were able to start from how we meant to go on and create something we, we believed in. It's in a super part of Belfast, just along the banks of the Lagan, and the waterfront is one direction, the Odyssey is uh, another direction. So do you find your trade is very touristy, or locals, or a mix of the two? It's a total mix, you know, lunchtime we get a lot of people, you know, business lunch, and Saturday's a great day for the shoppers come in, it's just lots of shopping bags around, and you know, casual lunch is a bit more slower pace and people sitting on. Um, night time you may get people going to the shows or concerts and then you have people out celebrating occasions and people just out for a quick main course and away they go. Do you find you have um, a lot of regulars? We've developed a lot of regulars and friends already in Europe just over a year and already we've, we've a lot of names and faces we recognise and they know the chefs and they know the, the waiters and the waitresses so yeah it's, it's a lot of regulars so far. Now you mentioned there that it used to be a tile shop and that you had to do a refurb. What was the, the vision that you had for the restaurant in terms of the appearance of it? We just wanted to strip it right back. Um, it had the look structure but at the same time we wanted to really make it casual. Um, we wanted to put all our energy and attention into the service, the food and the way. You know, we, did, we don't have any artwork on the walls with massive windows and the skyline changes throughout the day, colours, the, the lightness of the room, so we believe that's our art. And also what's on the plate is the colours of the room, but the room itself is just simple, enjoyable to sit in, but you just want to sit and look out onto the river. It, it takes a lot more than just somebody that can cook fantastic food to, to open a successful restaurant. There is a lot of thought goes into the, the decor, as you've said, yeah. the furniture. And the marketing as well of the restaurant is something like you've a, a very impressive website. Do you delegate a lot of that, or do you know yourself what you're aiming for? No, myself and Alan kind of we're we're in charge. We we do it all ourselves. Um, we've uh, people help us out with the social media. It's also Hannah's kind of helps out. And as for the the furniture and the style of the place, we went with our concept and our idea to Oscar Oscar, and their architects in the town have done a few restaurants and their vision as well just kind of matched our thoughts and it just gelled perfectly you know it created something special because obviously the financial side of it the administrative side of it the marketing and then just getting the food yeah, out on that there's a lot to juggle there and whenever you're a chef owner and alan then is the is your partner and is the sommelier so he has all the knowledge whenever it comes to the wine cellar yeah. 
But you must spend a lot of time outside of the kitchen attending to those other matters. Yeah, it's, you know, the first year was all about trying to learn how to work the two together. You know, I've been a chef for so many years and know how the kitchen works. I'm at ease in the kitchen. So this was all new to me, like, you know, from going to being a head chef to having 16 staff that work for you, you know, it's a, it's a huge jump. So I quickly had to learn how to adapt and be resourceful and, you know, it's a learning curve for all of us, but again, it's a, it's a challenge that I wanted my whole career, so now I'm finally here and I'm relishing it. And it's all going well. It's going well, it's going great. As the awards have all proven, and mm-hmm. a few weeks ago, you had a huge party in for the Great Taste Awards. Yes. We're in Belfast, and uh, do you find that more stressful than catering from the normal Joe blogs, or is everybody just treated the same? Everybody's everybody's treated the same, but of course you're you know it's more stressful when uh, professional food critics and stuff come in. You know, obviously you're only human. You do kind of question what you're going to do that night and kind of really overthink it sometimes, but. I think now, a year into it, we're kind of at ease what we do and we're confident and we believe in the product. And that night there was 20 of them, so we had to feed 20 people at once, plus the room was full downstairs. So, you know, it's a huge push, but it's a great, great sense of achievement at the end of it. Do you get time yourself to go out and about and try other restaurants? Unfortunately, I don't. I never get a chance. Um, I'm here every day, uh, do big hours in the restaurant, and Sundays a day just kind of recharging the batteries and then Monday I just look after my daughter so you know then you're back at it again the week starts all over again so unfortunately I don't get to many restaurants but I would like to I would like to eat out more Did you get down to the restaurant awards yourself? We did I drove went down that evening and drove straight back afterwards And that was an opportunity to taste dishes from uh-huh. different chefs which was your favourite course? Oh I'll get in trouble for that um, There were so many good dishes I loved the starter for me and Orr it was delicious but also there was a, a lovely face date. That was Tom Flavin, Strand Hotel in Limerick. Oh it was beautiful, it was absolutely beautiful. The, I'd met the lady who'd done the heron. Birgitta. Yeah. Oh no, Kirsty from Silver Darlings yeah, is Silver the Darlings. heron. Yeah, Silver Darlings, I'd met yeah. her at the Bali Fest. Oh yeah. That plate of food, it looked beautiful and it tasted so fresh, I loved it and the smoked salmon was fantastic. I'm sure Tom will be listening now, no, so he'll be pleased to hear that. <laughs> Tom would regularly come in now and do slots for us in the Well, I should be so very proud of what he done because it was for 800 people or so and do that level of food for that many people for a play. And what's your vision for the restaurant now? Where do you hope to, to see it going to? Um, just to be consistent and do what we do and stay the same, you know. We we'll never let, let the levels slip, but at the same time, we don't want to just change it up too much, you know. It has to stay with its own identity, you know. We have to keep it as it is because it's what people have accepted and supported and you know, the hardest thing is consistency in a restaurant. We just want to create a space that's casual, focus on the food and service and wine, and just a relaxed environment for the customer. And what would you say to any listeners in West Limerick that are thinking about coming up to Belfast for a bit of a holiday? I should check it out. Belfast is buzzing at the minute, you know, not just us. There's so many new restaurants opened up around town. Um, great chefs coming back from travels, and the food scene's amazing at the minute. It really is. It's a fantastic place to be right now. Stephen, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Continued success and thanks so much for your time. Thanks very much. Thank you. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Congratulations to Stephen and Alan on their fifth year and they've achieved so much in such a short space of time in terms of awards. They're Michelin star and so much more.
And that brings us to the end of tonight's show. Be sure to get in touch with all your food and drink news, stories and recipes. Drop me a line anytime to s.noonan at live.ie. Thanks for tuning in and to my guests, Danny, Claire and Stephen. I'll be back at the same time next Tuesday. So until then, enjoy the long bank holiday weekend and bon appétit. Thanks for listening to The Best Possible Taste with Sharon Noonan. Sponsored by thetaste.ie. Voted Ireland's best online food and drink magazine. To get in touch with The Best Possible Taste, email Sharon at SharonNoonan.com or tweet Sharon at Queen of Org. As in, Queen of Organisation. Bon appétit.